Welcome to History Conspiracy Podcast, where we provide the audio and you decide whether it's history or conspiracy. If you would like to support this podcast, you can go to paypal.com and donate any amount to History Conspiracy Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for your support. This is a radio show from 1973 with two of the major supporters for reopening the investigation into the assassination of Robert Kennedy, Paul Schrade, and Allard Lowenstein. Godfrey Isaacs, the attorney for Sirhan Sirhan, has made a motion for a new trial in the case of the assassination of Robert F. Kennedy. He's not the only one interested in that matter. With me this evening are Paul Schrade, who does labor commentary for KPFK, and Allard Lowenstein, former congressman from New York. And they have also taken an interest in the case, and as a matter of fact, have recently issued a statement calling for certain steps to be taken to look into the investigation, which has resulted in a good deal of confusion, perhaps more in the Los Angeles media than any place else as the assassination took place in Los Angeles. One of those confusing episodes uh, was the contradictory statements by Thomas Noguchi, the coroner in the case, at one point saying that the bullet that issued from Sirhan's gun could not have killed Robert Kennedy, and then a couple of years later saying that Sirhan was the only one who could have killed Robert Kennedy. What other contradictions are you pointing to, and what would you like to see done about it? Well, the contradiction that worries me most because I was directly involved is that uh, the Los Angeles Police Department uh, has made an inventory of the eight bullets fired by Sirhan, by his gun. And that inventory uh, says that the bullet that uh, wounded me in the head uh, passed through the right shoulder of Robert Kennedy's uh, coat. That bullet didn't wound him, but it passed through from uh, back to front. I recall that I was standing behind Robert Kennedy, uh, observing him shaking hands with the workers in, in the Ambassador Hotel kitchen, and was to his left behind him. And I can not, in my own mind, uh, reconcile uh, the passage of that bullet from front, uh, from back to front through Kennedy's uh, uh, coat and winding up in my head. Uh, he would have had to been uh, completely turned around facing me in a uh, totally different uh, direction. And uh, when I was shot and uh, became unconscious as a result of it, uh, at no time had he moved uh, to that position. If that's the case, then, if we can't reconcile that uh, inventory, that part of the inventory of the Los Angeles Police Department, then we have a ninth bullet. And uh, so that's one of the uh, major contradictions that appears uh, based upon the evidence provided by the Los Angeles Police Department and the prosecution. What other kinds of contradictions? I know that uh, Isaacs has, has said in his... Um, motion that he feels that it was physically improbable, if not impossible, for Sirhan to have fired the bullet that killed Robert Kennedy. 
the, the central fact, which somehow or other gets lost when you listen to uh, Chief Davis or uh, Mr. Bush, is that the bullet that killed Robert Kennedy went in at one inch, and that it is impossible to find any of all those people who were in that kitchen that, in fact, testified that the gun that was supposed to have fired that bullet was anywhere near one inch from Senator Kennedy's head. Now, I find that uh, compelling, not because eyewitness testimony is reliable. It is not, and everyone knows that. But it, clear, it clearly is difficult to say that a bullet that, fired, that killed Robert Kennedy uh, at a distance of one inch was fired from a gun which is variously placed at anywhere up to six feet away from him. And when the police and the district attorney try to get past that by saying nobody saw another gun, therefore it's clear that it was Sirhan's gun, what they're doing is taking the position that they're none so blind as those who will not see what the Los Angeles police want them to see. Because in fact, everyone has testified the same uh, central fact that has to be faced, which is that Sirhan was in front of Kennedy, that even if Kennedy had turned, and he had, and had not turned back, and that's in dispute, it is impossible for a gun to fire a bullet point blank into Kennedy's head if that gun was feet away from him. Now, I think that if that can't be reconciled, if we can't find some way to square that, that we then must go beyond our fantasy, which has always been, mine particularly, and I'm talking out of a sense of my own guilt and negligence, not pointing fingers at anyone else, but we ought to get past the fantasy that's gripped us all these years, that somehow there was nothing here except Sirhan. Uh, what there was beyond Sirhan, I don't know, but I'm saying that we mustn't fantasize answers. We must try to find facts and then decide from those facts what in fact occurred. So I start with a very real concern that we not let the continual misstatement of the eyewitness testimony confuse us. The eyewitness testimony is the main basis on which uh, Davis and Bush and these other people insist that the case is closed. They say, everyone saw Sirhan shooting Kennedy. Well, everyone saw Sirhan shooting. The issue of whether they saw him shooting Kennedy has to do with where the bullet entered Kennedy, or bullets entered Kennedy, and where the people put the gun that was shooting. And so they quite intentionally turn around what the eyewitness testimony is to try to make it say what they want it to say, and it says the opposite. So while I have problems about the number of bullets, I think that's a central question. Paul mentioned one of the explanations that the uh, authorities have given for the fact that there are so many more holes than there are bullets. They give others, of course, when they find these don't stand up. I have problems about that, and I have problems about the fact that the bullet in Senator Kennedy's neck appears not to be from the same uh, gun as the bullet in Wiesel's stomach. I say appears because we're not making any definitive statements about that either. But what troubles me the most is when you take everyone's view of what they saw and you take the statistics that have been compiled about those bullets and you take the autopsy report and you add it together, you have a probability factor that says something is rotten in the way this thing was explained to the public. And it's at that point that we say, answer these questions. And what we get when we raise these questions is even more troublesome, because what we get is a combination of suppressing our position so that, in fact, it's impossible to find out what it is, as, for instance, the Los Angeles Times, which has twice declined to report extensive statements that Paul and I have made about the facts and about our questions, Never have those questions that we've raised appeared, but instead of that, they have taken out of context and distorted what we said and then attacked us for saying things we didn't say. And the same has been done now to Mr. Harper, the ballistics man in Pasadena, whose affidavit has been, I think, as careful and thorough as any man's could be on the basis of what he's been allowed to study, and yet the papers that have reported what he has said 
have alleged that he has repudiated what he said without ever reporting what he said. And in fact, what he said was that the evidence is not definitive, but the questions are serious and can be determined if we will go through certain procedures so that we have some idea of what the facts are. That, they say, is repudiation of something without ever re reporting what it is he said they say he's now repudiating. So I get troubled about the effort to distort what we're saying and then to discredit us. Uh, I heard poor Chief Davis uh, saying the other day that uh, the people on lecture tours are doing all this. Uh, that's a, a sad thing for the man to say. He knows perfectly well that not only am I not on a lecture tour, not only is Paul not on a lecture tour, uh, but beyond that, all the expenses that are involved, considerable expenses, have been paid out of my rather limited pocket and out of Paul's. We don't get subsidized. We don't want to get subsidized. And for a man in Chief Davis' position to be that careless about his statements about people who are earnestly trying to get to the facts, who have met with him, never questioned his motives, never impugned Mr. Bush's motive, have tried very hard to work with them cooperatively, is disturbing because if they're that careless about this, how do I know that they can be trusted in what they say about anything else? So there's a whole pattern that I believe has emerged since our public statement of distortion and of an effort to discredit, of a failure to deal with the questions we've raised, which has intensified our sense that there has to be an investigation. What are the ballistics things that uh, Mr. Harper has referred to that should be tested in order to clarify what he calls now an unclear situation? Well, one of the most important things that he discovered was that uh, the question of the cantilevers. A cantilever is a knurled ring on the bullet itself. And uh, the reason this becomes significant is that on the whole bullet that's in evidence uh, that was pulled from the stomach of uh, Billy Weisel, who was the ABC television producer wounded that night, that bullet, uh, in comparison... Uh, with a bullet uh, that was fired into Kennedy's back uh, that was recovered and is still in evidence. Those two bullets differ in the number of cantilevers they have. Those uh, on, the, on the Weisel bullet, there are two stripes or cantilevers. On the Kennedy bullet, there's only one. Now, that becomes important because the manufacturer of the bullets in the Sirhan gun uh, never made more than a two cantilever bullet. Uh, so the one cantilever bullet coming out of Kennedy then becomes important in, in raising doubts uh, that Sirhan was the only person firing a gun in there that night. Now, the, the uh, prosecution again raise questions about this. They say uh, the bullets and evidence have been tampered with or damaged, yet two sets of photographs of those bullets, those two bullets, uh, one was made in 1970 under the auspices of, of William Harper. Uh, the other set was made uh, through a court order uh, 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 received by uh, County Supervisor Baxter Ward. That second set was made in April of 74. Those two photographs, when you look at them, uh, show no damage to the bullets and uh, no deterioration as uh, Bush and Davis... Uh, charge, or at least they raise that yeah. question. They hint that that's the case. Yet they never say, let's take a look at them to find out if they've been damaged or there is deterioration. So the cantilever question uh, becomes important because if these are two different manufacturers, then uh, Sir Han could not have uh, uh, fired the fatal shot or fired that one bullet into the back because uh, that bullet would have had to come from a different manufacturer. Now the 
the Los Angeles Police Department and the prosecution confirm that uh, Sirhan's gun carried on the bullets of only one manufacturer, uh, Cascade Cartridge uh, Company. So that's, that's one part of the ballistics on it. The other is that uh, both Harper and uh, McDonnell, uh, and by the way, a third uh, uh, ballistics expert or forensic expert, as they're called, uh, have checked out uh, the, the photographs and have determined that the the rifling angle and the barrel markings are significantly different, and this could then uh, be the basis of, of uh, finding uh, another gun involved rather than just uh, the Sirhan gun. So we're asking that the gun be refired, these comparisons be made, that the, all of the bullets and evidence, uh, seven of the eight portions of which, or all of which have been uh, were collected by the Los Angeles De Police Department, that the ballistics experts have a chance to take a look at those barrel markings and riflings and check out the manufacturer. There's one uh, very good test that was canceled by Coroner Noguchi on the basis of advice from the LAPD's expert, uh, Dwayne Wolfer. That test is uh, what's called a neutron activation test. That test can determine the content of the bullet or bullets or the bullet fragments still in evidence and go a long way in determining the manufacturer. Again, if variations in manufacture show up in those tests, then uh, we're on the road to uh, determining there was a second gun. So all of these tests uh, can be made and should be made. Uh, it's, it's really very difficult to understand why Chief Davis and Atter uh, District Attorney Bush refused to do this. Uh, we know that Sirhan's moving uh, to get a new trial. We think the, the issues and the questions in this case are much more compelling than anything Sirhan wants to do. And this is why we're carrying on our independent investigation and uh, presentation of information to the public, because there are broader issues involved than just Sirhan's welfare. And this is why we, we're so concerned and why we raise these questions in our statement last December 15th. I noticed that you talk about the nature of Sirhan's trial and, and explain the fact that it was not a trial of, of fact. Could you explain that to our listeners? What what actually happened at Sirhan's trial the first time around? Uh, the f defense position was that Sirhan had in fact killed Kennedy, but that he was of diminished mental capacity and therefore should not get the gas chamber. His lawyer then, the, his chief counsel, Grant Cooper, uh, was a very uh, distinguished member of the Los Angeles Bar, says now that if he'd known then what he knows now, he would have had a different defense. And in fact, one of the questions that's disturbing is why some of the information that is clearly uh, pertinent wasn't available to the defense at that time, and that's a question that um, I believe may account for some of the nervousness of the authorities. The authorities acted at that time. I want to give the uh, most generous interpretation I can to what's happened on their side, they acted on the knowledge which appeared total and which I shared, which that is to say all of us shared. I think very few people questioned the, the certainty that Sir Ann had killed Robert Kennedy. And acting on that certainty, as it appeared then, uh, the trial was not a trial as it would have normally been in determining the facts of what occurred. But giving that generous interpretation of what happened, and I think it's a fair assumption that the authorities could have believed that and therefore have assumed that anything to the contrary was just confusion, Giving that interpretation to it would require them now to say, look, in view of what has come become clear, we want to cooperate in finding out what did happen, because this is not a matter of, of, uh, of intentional deception or anything at the time of the, of, the, of, the, of the murder. What this is is a question of what occurred at one of the turning points in recent American history. Robert Kennedy 
uh, was a person so potential, so beloved, really so unique for this country at that time that his demise then uh, scooped out the country from, from its chin to its knees. It left us with a sense that uh, almost uh, has gotten worse with time, which is unusual in the death of a person, and that that should be treated as something where it is only a historical footnote to know how it came about, understanding the impact of that death and understanding the potential uh, lesson for the future that may or may not lurk in it as to how that happened and what it portends. There is no way that a person who loves the United States and cares about what happens now can say that this has to be considered closed. It isn't closed. It will not be closed. It will be closed only when these tests have been conducted. And if these tests are not decisive, then so be it. Let's at least find that out. But don't say we won't conduct tests because the results of those tests may not be decisive. That's simply to use an excuse to prevent trying to find out something which we have a right to try to find out. If in the end we can't find it out, at least let it be not that we never tried, but that having tried, we failed, and then we have to live with it. I believe we can find out a great deal by these tests, and that what the authorities ought to be doing is to move quickly to cooperate in bringing those tests about in order that we know all we possibly can know and then develop from there the kind of investigation that that may dictate. If it turns out those bullets match, if it turns out the eyewitness testimony can be reconciled, if it turns out that when the gun is test fired there is no problem of matching that with the uh, neck, the bullet from Senator Kennedy's neck, if the neutron activation analysis supports the theory that Sirhan's gun did in fact, then I would say, all right, the trajectory problem remains, but let's accept the fact that the preponderance of evidence is that even though it's hard to understand it, those eight bullets did inflict those bullet holes. You see what I'm saying is that if any major chunk of these doubts can be allayed, as I believe they can if they're allayable, then the other questions, some of which we haven't even mentioned today because they're so, so numerous that they could take hours to list, we would, I think both of us, be prepared to say, well, we will accept as as definitive, as nearly definitive as we can, these answers. But it's the concealment and the dishonesty and the effort to discredit the questions. It's the fact that when people give information from official positions, they've told me repeatedly things which were not true, which doesn't make me feel that they're interested in getting to the bottom of the case. These kinds of things make what are doubts become more persistent doubts, not less. Now, you've called for the release of a 10-volume report of the official investigation and of the official trajectory study. Um, does that include the information from the coroner's office? And what kind of things do you expect there, or what are you hoping for? And is it common for this kind of material to be released? Well, it's difficult to know what's in it since we haven't had access to it. It's also difficult to know why we can't have access to it since there seems to be no reason why if the information there sustains the verdict, it should be kept secret. There's no rule that requires that information of an investigation of this kind be, in effect, classified. There's no suggestion that uh, the national security is involved or that the foreign policy of the United States would be uh, compromised or any of the things that would maybe uh, be uh, used as a justification for preventing the public from having access to information which uh, is of public concern. So I don't know why it's not made available. Uh, the kinds of information that I would like to see uh, available to the public include, for instance, the issue of what happened to Senator Kennedy's clothes. Uh, I'm trying to, the reason I'm pausing is I'm trying to take examples which are not so complicated that it takes longer to explain why they're crucial and, it, and it's worth. Take this. One of the bullets that uh, Paul referred to the peculiar 
of course, of the bullet that was supposed to have hit him. There's another bullet that was supposed to have gone through Senator Kennedy's chest, hit a ceiling panel, which was an inch thick, gone through that to the ceiling above, that is the floor above, bounced off that, come back through another ceiling panel, also approximately an inch thick, and then taken off down the pantry 20 feet to hit Mrs. Evans in the head. Mrs. Evans was at the time uh, troubling over her shoe, which had fallen off, and she was hit in a direction that went up, not down, uh, in her head. Uh, one of the things that I would like to find out is what the evidence is on those ceiling panels. I'd like to see, uh, as I'm told, it can be done, whether which bullet holes in those ceiling panels are entry holes, where the bullets went up and where they came down. Uh, then you understand you find something out. If the bullet didn't go up through one panel and down to the next, then we have to have another bullet. Uh, furthermore, I'd like to find out whether firing a bullet through someone's simulated chest and then through two ceiling panels that are almost an inch thick east and then having it go 20 feet and hit a lady in another simulated head, whether there would be 31 grains left of that bullet out of the 39 it had when it started. If so, I'd like to know that, but if not, I think the police ought to want to know that because that means that their explanation of that bullet doesn't stand up. Now, there are a lot of other questions like that. I, I, I'm afraid I'm going on at length and I didn't intend to. What I'm suggesting to you is, is that on, uh, we submitted 23 questions over a year ago to the authorities. They could be expanded probably three or four times as much. But those 23 questions are questions which presumably this 10-volume report should be able to answer one way or another. I can't believe that these questions didn't occur to anyone until we came along. That seems to me to assume uh, uh, almost an arrogant uh, attitude about the wisdom and the intelligence of the people dealing with the case. If these questions were dealt with, there's got to be some way that we can find out what the answers were to these questions. And so far, the authorities have not either been able or been willing to give us those answers. I'll give you one other example. No, I won't. I've talked too long on that question. Well, the interesting thing is that there has been some investigation done, and the existence of a second gun is not just a matter of conjecture. Um, what what of the second gun? Where how did that come about? How did that discovery take place? Uh, is there, in fact, a real second gun, or is it the figment of some other biased investigator's uh, imagination? Um, is that reality? Well, there's been a lot of private investigation going on over the years. Uh, both Al and I share uh, guilt in not recognizing there were serious questions before this. Uh, but uh, those of us who were friends of Robert Kennedy... Uh, uh, felt very deeply about his death, and, and it was very painful for us to even consider there was anything else involved uh, uh, than the one-gun lone assassin theory, because that's what obvious was before uh, the public before, uh, was presented in the trial and so forth. But there were people uh, who were diligently working at, at finding out more information because uh, there were questions in people's minds right from the beginning. Uh, one uh, film uh, I've seen on the, on the second gun, I'm displeased with the film itself because I think that it's not well done. Uh, uh, it does raise uh, very important information and uh, should be seen, uh, although my criticisms, I believe, are, are valid of that film. Uh, Ted Chirac, who did the film, uh, did discover uh, something that the Los Angeles Police Department, with all of their investigators and the tens of thousands of hours of investigations they claim they made, uh, and probably did, uh, they were not able to discover that uh, an armed guard in that room was carrying a gun, had pulled that gun uh, during the assassination, 
although he himself said that he didn't fire it. Now, I'm not charging he fired it or is even a suspect in this case. But there's some other things about him that were discovered by private investigation. One is that uh, he owned a 22 uh, caliber uh, pistol uh, that he claimed he sold in February 68, months before the assassination. Well, private investigator Ted Chirac found out that that gun actually ha had been purchased uh, by a person in September of 68, after the assassination. So most likely it was in the possession of, of this guard uh, during the period of the assassination. Though it, uh, on the record, uh, uh, he said he sold it beforehand. So that question was never uh, explored by the Los Angeles police. They never uh, confiscated the gun that he said he had in the room that night, which he claims was his uh, 38 uh, pistol that he carried uh, as a guard. So the, the police didn't get into this question. Uh, they, the police did say that they checked out everybody in the kitchen area uh, that night who might possibly have been present during the assassination to check political background. Uh, they said nobody of extremist views or uh, antagonistic to Kennedy uh, was in their room that night. Yet the same guard uh, testified uh, that he uh, raised money, small amount, uh, for George Wallace, uh, and uh, distributed leaflets for him. Uh, the same guard uh, considered uh, both Robert Kennedy and John Kennedy enemies uh, who were selling out the country to the commies and to the blacks. And so here is a man of very extreme political views uh, present there, yet the L.A. Police Department investigation did not discover that or discovered it and didn't say anything about it. So uh, that man ought to be checked out. There's one other thing that... Uh, that the police uh, didn't discover, and that is that there was a, a, a man uh, working for the Ambassador Hotel in the kitchen uh, who was listed by the Secret Service, according to Metro Media, uh, listed by the Secret Service as a man dangerous to presidents. Now, I would think that man had some extreme views, and yet the Los Angeles Police Department never mentioned uh, that in their investigation. Uh, Nor the fact that in Sirhan's pocket, the night he was arrested, was found a key to a car, and that when Sirhan refused to reveal his name and the police dispatched two detectives to the Ambassador Hotel with instructions to find a car that that key fitted so they could find out who they had at Rampart, the key fitted the car of this individual that Paul is talking about, and the explanation given was that this man's ignition was loose, and that's why Sirhan had a key in his pocket that fitted that car. Now, one of the questions I asked a year ago, to which there may be a simple answer, is that the key that was found in Sirhan's pocket fit Sirhan's car. I'm not interested in the excuse or the fact that the ignition was loose. What I'm interested in was, was he carrying the key to another man's car? And if so, what connection does that indicate existed between these people? These questions are among that sea or that web that I mentioned earlier on are answerable questions and may not indicate anything at all. But because of the central circumstance, there have to be some... Uh, concern about the failure to investigate thoroughly or to answer accurately these kinds of questions. There's an extraordinary woman that lives in Los Angeles called Lillian Castellano who has a, a whole, literally an attic filled with documentation of inconsistencies in official positions. Most of those inconsistencies, if you could square the central facts, one could accept as the result of uh, haste or bungling or human failure. But failing to get those kinds of central questions answered, 
when you find that the police are saying that witnesses said things which are literally the reverse of what they said, you get troubled. And I think what, what we're suggesting today, as we've been suggesting for some time, is that if these questions can be answered, so much the better. But if they can't, isn't it urgently needed to find out some facts from which we can then try to understand uh, what damaged us so much that night? And, and here, the, the authorities have a very important responsibility in getting to the truth in this matter because there are serious doubts uh, about the case now. And, and I'm sure uh, many, many people agree with us on it. Yet, we find the authorities most reluctant uh, to do anything but uh, slam the door on us and, and not answer any questions. The authorities are really responsible in great part for the doubt for the gaps in the in the evidence that we've uh, discussed here this evening, and and are doing nothing to 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 uh, allay those doubts, and therefore they have some responsibility in this. And this is why I get very very concerned when uh, the authorities tell us, "Well, let Sir Han take the initiative. Let Sir Han go to court. Join Sir Han in, in in what he's trying to do." Well, I'm unwilling to do that. First of all, my own personal feelings are are uh, most likely evident to most people why I wouldn't want to do that. Uh, but just on the, on the more serious question of, of, of the truth in, in, in this case, uh, it's more important that the authorities and, and, and concerned citizens get involved and try to solve these problems rather than leaving it to a person who obviously was there intending to kill Robert Kennedy, uh, who said on the witness stand that he did kill Kennedy. Uh, I don't see why the authorities allow the initiative uh, to remain in Sir Han's hands. And this is why we're going to continue to insist that the authorities who, uh, in, in great part, are responsible for the doubts, for the lack uh, of, of uh, competent investigation, or their uh, keeping information from the public, uh, that, that they have a, an initiative, initiative in this one, too, and have a, a greater responsibility than anyone to get, to get to the bottom of these questions. And since we're recording in Los Angeles, may I just say that I would hope that the citizens of this city, if nothing more came of listening to us, would insist that the Los Angeles Times, which has pretenses of being a national newspaper of quality and has prospects of that, which I've admired for years as a paper that one can rely on ahead of so many other papers because of its thoroughness and fairness, that the Los Angeles Times explained to the citizens of Los Angeles what conceivable circumstance justifies refusing to report accurately questions raised by responsible people about a murder that occurred in this city and then distorting those questions and attacking the people who raised them in a way which makes it impossible for the people of the city even to know what the issues are. I think that question ought to be put to the Los Angeles Times by the citizens of this community until an answer is obtained. Have you received any positive response from public officials, anyone associated with the city of Los Angeles, with the congressional or senatorial delegation in California, um, with other public figures in the United States? Yes, well, I, I would say that there is overwhelming uh, support, sympathy, interest from public people, and that if it gets to the point where we have to uh, join in this kind of public, uh, I, hate, I, I hate even to contemplate it, of a, of a public argument going on that that will, will be marshaled. I, we have not asked, nor, nor do we now want, to try to get into that situation. We still hope that there will be, uh, through uh, channels that are appropriate and without a political battle, that there will be cooperation. 
But if that doesn't happen, I can assure you that uh, the information that uh, is necessary to bring about major support from political and other uh, uh, influential people around the country will occur. One last question. How is it that not only this assassination, but the assassination of John Kennedy uh, should become embroiled in this kind of confusion? What is it about assassination, do you think, that leads the local authorities to apparently fix on a target as a the, the criminal involved and be so reluctant to expand their investigation? I, I would want to say something about that that uh, I'm not sure Paul would agree with. We haven't really talked this through, and I'm not speaking now for him it myself. I'm not, I'm not now prepared to generalize about the assassinations. I am only prepared now to generalize about questions about assassinations. I'm no longer prepared to believe automatically, as I did for many years, that the Warren Commission was correct. Obviously, that seems to me now to be subject to reexamination also. But it may very well be that there were in each of the assassinations separate circumstances that produced these assassinations. They may not be at all interlocked. The uh, circumstances attending the investigations may all be separate, even though there were similar uh, difficulties. So that I would uh, say first that it's possible that the bedlam that's caused and the horror that's caused is uh, indu induces a kind of uh, momentary incompetence among people who then cover up their own incompetence out of human concerns for their careers. That's very possible. Uh, I, I would want to ex expressly state that it seems to me as injudicious to go from where we are now to a conclusion that there is a pattern in these assassinations that interlocks them in either investigation or in cause, as it was injudicious before to conclude that only loose nuts could have done these things. And the one thing that I most want to do and pledge that I will try for myself to do is to come to no conclusions until we have facts on which we can make reasonable conclusions. But obviously, if we now let Los Angeles sit in its present state without understanding what the evidence is that we can get, then we are going to, I believe, as Paul said before, multiply the doubts about everything because people are going to say, well, my goodness, if they won't even take the authorities, that is, won't even take these simple steps, why can't they test fire a gun? Is there a rational person who can understand why a gun can't be test fired? Why should you take a court fight to test fire a gun? There isn't anyone who can understand that once you understand that we don't even know if the gun was ever test fired because the authorities say that when they test fired it last time and they introduced the bullets and evidence, they put on the exhibit, Exhibit 55, the number of a different gun. We didn't do it. They did it. And why they don't want to clarify what may have been a clerical error by test firing that gun and answering that question is baffling. And so we come back to your question, why these things occur, maybe because there were separate circumstances that overlapped by coincidence, maybe not. But if we don't start to get answers to these questions, the sense that there's something more that leads people to Stonewall which is the thing I think most Americans learned most clearly in the last two years, is that when authorities stonewall, there's something they don't want to have people know, and people are not accepting that any longer, I believe, in the United States. Now, if Paul wants to separate his view on that, I'd be glad to yield. Well, to it's, it's similar to that, and it raises the question of, of, of why uh, uh, the men who've been assassinated in this country uh, are those who are in some way dealing uh, with very serious problems uh, Americans have. John Kennedy, Robert Kennedy, Medgar Evers, Malcolm X, uh, Martin Luther King, 
you can even include the uh, contract uh, out on Cesar Chavez's life that was discovered a couple of years ago. Why are these the targets, these persons the targets of, of assassins? That question uh, comes in uh, very strongly in this case and, and has to be dealt with. Uh, one of the convincing uh, uh, things that uh, has, has come to me is that uh, I was, not, even though I knew Richard Nixon when he first uh, began running uh, for office and knew how corrupt he was, uh, I still uh, had very difficult time believing that he would do the kinds of things and abusing the power of the presidency uh, that he did while he was in office. And, uh, and when you take that into account, plus the revelations now about the CIA being involved in domestic activities, the FBI and the military being involved in the campuses uh, during the periods of demonstrations in the last several years, are totally corrupting the democratic system and using burglary and surveillance and murder uh, as, as tactics uh, in, in maintaining their particular form of control over the, the population. Those things uh, uh, strongly uh, motivate me in, in, in getting to the bottom of these questions. But this is why we also have to exercise a great deal of discipline and self-control. We've got to get at the bottom of this, uh, these kinds of questions on the basis of the evidence. And, and we've got to do it based uh, upon what uh, we think is a, is a system of justice so that we get uh, to uh, uh, the bottom of these questions uh, based upon the questions we've raised and the answers to them. I'm willing to back away from this whole thing if the, the serious questions we've raised with the authorities are reconciled in some intelligent, rational way. And yet all we're getting is stonewalling, suppressing of information, uh, questioning of, of people's motives, and, and no real objective consideration of these questions. And this is what we're demanding of the authorities. And we're going to continue demanding answers to those questions, and I'm sure the public will support us on those. Paul Schrade and Alan Lowenstein, thank you very much. For KPFK in Los Angeles, this is Jim Berland.